And welcome to Leaving the Geek, Royce is Here edition. I'm John Bonus from Daily.com with me, Aaron Cleveland of the Athletic Deja vu slash Groundhog's Day because <laughs> last Friday, when last we spoke on this free episode, it was uh, about 40 minutes later, I think it was 9 a.m. last Friday. It's 8.20 a.m. right now, this Friday. I don't know why I always tell people the time, as if that ma- as if they're like, "Whoa, it was eight twenty. You're setting the scene. Yeah, that's right. I'm re- setting really the setting the scene. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, John is in a tuxedo for some reason. Yeah, right. uh, I'm fully pink tuxedo, fully nude. <laughs> so there's the scene. Um, pink tuxedo. Yeah. Uh, but last Friday we were sitting at this very table, uh, talking into these very microphones, and what was up in the air was Carlos Correa's the status of his right. foot. And I remember saying, well, it's weird to talk about it in any sort of certain terms right. because, you know, six hours from now, I'm going to go to the ballpark and hear what the actual diagnosis was or the, right. the status was. And at the time, I was like, well, man, I, I don't know. I think he's going to go on the injured list. Turns out we showed up at the ballpark last he, Friday. He was in the lineup. And he was in yeah. the lineup uh, and has played, I guess he started five games four games since then and then came in once as a ninth inning uh, yeah. replacement uh but last night uh against the guardians he left in the middle of the game after aggravating his plantar fasciitis uh and afterward we talked to him and he uh he said basically he was just warming up between innings and Kirloff threw him a ground ball like they do between most right. innings just right. to the infielders and he took like a you know step in one direction, not even anything crazy, and just had like a shooting pain, um, which I know a lot of people. We heard from a lot of people after we talked about plantar fasciitis for so long on the last couple episodes, right. who kind of chimed in with their own thoughts. And it was funny because half the people were like, "What's the big deal? I had this back in the day, <laughs> yeah. and it solved itself in a week." Right. And then half the people were like, "It was the most debilitating injury I've ever had in my life. <laughs> it felt like someone was stabbing me in the foot every time I took a step or right. something." Yeah, and right. so it can be that's the problem with plantar fasciitis right and that's what i think correa has probably been experiencing which is you take a couple of days off you show up on the third day and it's like well my foot's a little sore but i'm I'm good to go then you play a few games and by the way he looked good defensively He's still not really hitting but he looked good defensively and then just warming up between innings take a wrong step or not even a wrong step i mean just right. a step right. and all of a sudden just shooting pain yeah. you have to come out of the game and now he's pretty much this is this is why those two words scare the hell out of minnesota yes, sports fans right? yeah, it, can, it can be nothing it can be incredible yes. right and I, I bet you that if you went city by city fans in that you know you go to whatever city right. and and across the three or four sports that are there and go Hey, uh, what are your memories of plantar fasciitis? <laughs> They're all going to have a Michael Williams or yeah, a right. Wally Zerbiak or right. a whoever right. or a Carlos Correa now. And so I think the the difficulty is, I, I mean, A, for us, it's really hard to kind of speculate or speak about what comes next when we're going to have a much, much better idea, you know, six hours from now right. or whatever or seven hours from now. Um, but it is certainly discouraging that after uh, literally one week right. he's essentially back in the identical spot except it's 
almost worse because now there's no real proof of concept for just, oh, I'll rest and it'll get better. Yeah, but there never is with plantar fasciitis. Well, <laughs> that's, part, that's part of the Sort part of. of the Although like, Baldelli, we mentioned this on the on the Patreon, Baldelli said, I had it for a whole season. Then a month into the off season, I realized, hey, my foot doesn't hurt anymore. And all I did was just sit on my butt for a month. Right. So it is just something that one day could be fixed. Right. Or it's something that unfortunately could linger for months or years, right. uh, as Michael Williams of the Timberwolves way, way back in the day uh, could attest to. Uh, that Michael Williams like forever scarred my childhood because I was like in my teens, right. early teens maybe, and it would just be every year in training camp, he's feeling better, and then, oop, nope, plantar fasciitis, same thing. Uh, so that's where Correa's at. I mean, he... In the moment, by the time people listen to this, there might be f- official status. So this is going to sound like a pointless discussion here, which is part of why I don't like sure. the timing of yeah, this. Yeah. But he certainly seemed afterward, uh, you know, an hour or 20 minutes after the game, kind of saying, look, I don't know that it's any worse than it was a week ago and maybe a day off and I can do this all over again. Right. Except is it – is that really conducive to getting eventually to yeah, a good not, situation? Yeah, but it's not totally clear that a 10-day trip to the IL is either. Like, you just don't know. I mean, it's going to be <laughs> right. better than well, you, trying to play would, through it. You would think certainly. so? And, and particularly, it's not as if he's lighting it up right now. Right. Well, I mean, true. he's back into a, a pretty deep slump here. And they've got a, another shortstop on the roster yes. now. <laughs> yeah, Baldelli said uh, after the game, when he was given some, you know, semi-updates on the injured players, but they didn't really know because not only did Correa leave uh, Thursday's series opener against the the Guardians, which was one of the stranger games I've seen this season, yeah. uh, the Cleveland puts together just a purely 2022 version of the Guardians inning where they right. score six runs or five, five runs, runs on six singles and a walk. Right. Off Half off. of which are just ground balls that somehow yeah, find a hole just not, through the infield. Yeah, right. just standard kind of ball and play oh, no, we didn't get it, and then it just happens over and over again. But then, you know, last year that happened plenty to the Twins right. versus the Guardians, and the Guardians did that to everybody. They, uh, Tito's bloop troop is what uh, Zach Meisel, <laughs> the athletics uh, beat writer for the Guardians, calls him, and it's a great name. It's kind of like the Piranhas. Yeah, you know? that's great, yeah. They just blooped everyone to death. They ball and played everyone to death last year. Mm-hmm. And so I'm watching that happen to Pablo Lopez, right. and I'm thinking it's just the same story. Yeah. But then, slightly different twist, Emilio Pagan comes in the game, <laughs> right. who, as Zach Meisel also tweeted, uh, was Cleveland's 2022 MVP. <laughs> right, <laughs> Which yeah. I've said I've made that joke before too, um, and throws two and a third scoreless. I know. Looked great. Yep. Threw strikes, eight yep. innings that they needed desperately to have eaten. Right. Um, and then the Twins co- came back mm-hmm. after Correa left, Kepler left with migraine, yeah. and Buxton, Buxton left, left by, after getting hit in the ribs pitch, by yeah. a 96 mile an hour fastball. Uh, all three of those guys are sort of status unknown as of this morning. I'm going to assume Kepler is the least uh, serious of those maladies because while a migraine is not something to brush aside, certainly, it's generally something that doesn't require weeks off. Sure. Uh, so I'm going to assume he stays off the aisle, but the other two are very much in play, I would say. In play to not play, uh, I would say, which uh, Buxton... I mean, he took it right to the ribs, 96, and he stayed in, he ran the bases, but then he came out, and afterward he was like, Doe Young Park, uh, former two-time guest and two-time Jeopardy. Do you think he mentions, <laughs> which two-time appearance does he mention Have more? we really only hit him on choice? I think so. Maybe okay. three times. Okay. Um, he 
said to Buxton postgame, uh, how, you know, how does it feel to get hit in the ribs? And Buxton said, well, have you ever gotten hit in the ribs before? And Doe said, no, that's why I'm asking you. And Buxton said, well, I would vi- advise you strongly to never get hit in the ribs. <laughs> so it's like, thanks. I'll, mar- I'll write that down. Um, but he, afterward, he was going to go for x-rays and an MRI, which is which is never a great sign with Buxton or anybody else. So I don't know. It's it's tricky to like we like to you know kind of use this show as a week in review and also a, a look ahead to right. what's coming. Yeah. Uh, heading into the weekend always, but it's kind of difficult to get a real sense of where things stand when they're two most prominent players. Yep, uh, their two star all star players are status unknown or you know certainly up in the air. Yeah, uh, heading in. Although they seem to be doing really well whenever those players aren't in the game, right? They also <laughs> yeah. won Wednesday. I had a big offensive explosion right. with both those guys out, which was you you've know, cracked the case. <laughs> exactly. It. We just got to bench lose, all the good players. Lose that dead weight of yeah. uh, Bucks. Do you need more Donovan Solano <laughs> and more Willie Castro? Exactly. That's the That's right. sign. Those guys to long term sure. deals. Uh, the other story of yesterday's game. And of a game in the Houston series is Royce Lewis, right? <laughs> who, as you mentioned, might end up playing some shortstop here. Yeah, uh, I, did, I did know. I mean, we, we did find it interesting that when Correa left yesterday, Farmer went in for Correa. They didn't switch things around or right. anything. Although he said afterward base. that the reason he didn't do that, the reason he didn't put Farmer in at third and put Lewis at short, is because. Lewis had already played half the game at third, yep. and he had seen a couple of at-bats, and he just didn't want to mess with them. I kind of figured the same thing. And I just think the don't want to mess with them approach to Royce Lewis at this point when it comes to that or any other circumstance that is kind of a 50-50, like should I do this with Royce Lewis right. or not, I'm kind of on the side of don't mess with sure. him. But any and, you know, I mean, let's be honest, Kyle Farmer has played significantly more shortstop in the major league, sure. or even if you include the minors right. uh, the last couple of years, than Royce Lewis because Royce Lewis has been hurt. Kyle Farmer has like several hundred starts at shortstop for a major league team and is right. generally okay. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if they stick with Farmer, like if Correa yeah. misses multiple games or goes on the IL, certainly. Yep. If they stick with Farmer at shortstop, although what happens then when Farmer sits because he's not going to play six days a week. Uh, then does Lewis go to short? I yeah, think probably. Be. But also, I think they would like Lewis to just keep working at third and getting reps at third because ultimately when everyone's healthy, as if that will ever happen right. at the same time, they do want Lewis to be at third. Well, so I, there was at least one play yesterday in that five-run inning where yes. it looked like Lewis forgot met, he was for, a third for, base. Forgot he was a third he base. He pursued the ball in the hole right. to short. Right. Which Start, know, started pursuing it and then seemed to kind of watch <laughs> watch yeah. Lewis, watch uh, Correa thinking he was going to throw it to first base, and like, oh no, 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 the force plays at third. You got to be right. on the bag. Well, it was tough because right. he went so he went too far pursuing I, I it, and then couldn't get back to the base, like you said. Uh, and then Correa threw it, and they didn't get the guy, so it just kind of. And I only think what one more scored after that. That was uh, no, well, I don't know. That might have been the bulk the, of them had already scored by that point. But uh, yeah, I mean it. I don't have a I don't have a great read on Lewis at third yet, other than something you mentioned, which I think proved true again yesterday, which is he's making plays generally, but they're very high effort plays. Yes, like he's charging in on everything and making you know whipping the ball over there. There are very yes. few just and and it maybe, feels like he has to wind up to throw it all the way across yeah, the diamond. Which is but I mean weird. that also might just be he's not getting a whole lot of two choppers right yeah, to be. third. Yeah. Like there hasn't right. been a lot of truly routine just ground ball to third. It's been. He's got to move. move. He's got to come out. in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, right. um, he's made the plays yes, other than that ball. Right. And there was one 
lined like one one hopper that got past him during that inning too. It's tough to say if a you know long time third baseman almost makes that made play. a hell of a play on a blooper yesterday that ended up also hurting them yes. in left field where. I was watching him, you know, run into a group of three guys, throw his body to try and yeah. catch this fly ball. Well, I was like, "Oh Jesus!" That's Lewis. the thing with with Royce is the the kind of less routine the play at third or even at short, for that matter. The less routine the play, and on a ball that's like a blooper fly ball or fly ball line liner, he's going to be the best at those right. because that's just pure reaction and athleticism and yes, it's not you know fundamentals or reps or you know muscle memory or that that's just a ball gets blooped into short left it's yes. somebody's going to go chase after it and the fastest guy with the best athleticism he's got the best chance at it right. and that's you know partly why guys like me think eventually not this season center field is the way to go with him because he can just turn and run right in that case but we'll see about and that the, after the after he gets up from that, yeah, he and uh, Gallo and Correa, I think Gallo was playing left field at that time, uh, were, are all just kind of standing around there. And I'm like, are they evaluating Lewis like to make sure he's no. okay after this? But, but instead what it was is they were replacing a divot yes, in the outfield. A giant <laughs> divot. The umpire comes over there as well, and all four of them are saying they're yeah. trying, trying to pat down. It really <laughs> did look like me off the tee on number one, just a chunk <laughs> just took a chunk out like, of oh, it. Oh no! Is Lewis is Lewis down like yeah. that? They talk evaluating his knee. <laughs> yeah, they're uh-huh. evaluating the divot his knee made. You've just ruined the green. Uh, so yeah, the uh, it was a very interesting game. You kind of feel like did they win the battle but lose the war? But we'll yeah, find out. We'll I see. mean, it's it's feasible that none of the three go on the IL. We'll see. I, I, midway through that game, when they had given up that, like you said, the the bloop troop. Yeah, had Tito's bloop troop. Right? I was like. This is just as frustrating as the season has been. This is just one more looks like one more brick in the yeah. brick in the wall of a frustrating season. In that, you know, again, you know, pretty good start by Lopez, but they get some goofy inning, and now we're going to kick off this you know semi important four game, uh, you know, four game test here in June with a stupid loss. <laughs> you know, yeah. as a as the offense doesn't really get anything done versus Bibby, which you know, not a lot of people get stuff done versus Bibby. And this is just, this seems like a real disheartening loss to start this thing, and not to mention everybody getting hurt. And then by the end, I was like, "No, the disheartening loss now is the other side. They're wow, they're yeah. they're bullpen blowing that lead, and uh, their closer uh, was it was it Class A the, at even, the end? He didn't. He, pitch. Who was pitching the ninth then? Uh, I don't know because the yeah. Twins had the lead by the way. Oh, that no, they, they well, scored in the bottom of the ninth. Yeah, they tied. Right, yeah, so they were right. saving him for a safe. I see. Situation. I got this. I think. I don't know. He had was, pitched the night before too, or okay. the day before, because yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched him pitch the day before. Got but it. it was just it was it was turning up being a disheartening loss the other way. Well, that's yeah. the thing. We tend to. We were talking about this the other day as it relates to injuries or as it relates to length of starts, which is we fall victim to this, and I think a lot of fans fall victim to this because let's be honest. If your job is not to pay attention to baseball, you just watch right. the Twins and right. maybe you tune into Sunday Night Baseball or you know once uh, one other game a week or whatever. It's hard to contextualize a lot of this stuff. So right. like nobody's been watching the Cleveland Guardians unless they've been playing the Twins. Right. I mean, for the most part, and it's like we, we're sitting here and we're going, well, that felt like a 2022 loss, and it would have yeah. been another brick in the wall of a frustrating season. And then you look and you go, 
Well, also, it put Cleveland four and a half back of the Twins. They're now, what, <laughs> right. five below 500 or something like that. They've had plenty of frustrating losses like this, too. And for them, who have struggled so much to score runs right, exactly. with a punchless, you know, right. contact-based lineup, right. which is the opposite of the Twins, <laughs> right. but the same sort of uh, end result, right. or they've scored even fewer runs. But that's there's surely a, a Guardians podcast this morning saying yes. – they finally score some runs and then they blow it anyway. What a frustrating season that is. That's so exactly I do right. think it's, that, that's it's exactly right. I was like, this is a team that's coming in here hurting offensively, and right. we managed to they, they managed finally, to score six runs. They finally the scored Twins. five runs. It takes them fifteen hits in a right. row to score five. And, and by the seventh inning, I'm like, this is exactly the way this is going to go. The Twins finally Cleveland finally figures out their offense versus the Twins here just at the beginning of this four game series. And instead, what happens is, yeah, they apparently figured out their offense, but just still managed to lose the game. So. We're going to talk about Correa and Royce Lewis and the Kepner, Kepler, Walner, Kepner, Kepler, Walner, Larnick situation. And, but wait, first though, I have much more important and, and Polanco <laughs> coming. We got a lot to talk about. Much more important. So on the, I don't think it was on the, the free show, but over the last two Patreon episodes, <laughs> which you should be subscribed to the Patreon. I feel they're getting really good. It's possibly because <laughs> I, my brain is just mush at this point. But Patreon.com slash Gloomin. Anyway, fun season on one of them, Patriot, yes. John, it was, we recorded it after John and Chrissy had, <laughs> had donated it to charity, the Twins Fund or whatever, right. for the right to play catch in the outfield at Target Field following whatever, last Yeah, yeah that was Sunday's days. game last week. Or last, no, Saturday, Saturday's game Saturday's last game. weekend. Yeah. And so I took a little video. It was very cute, the two of them. In their 500th year of marriage, <laughs> playing catch. And so then from that, I said to John, I don't know how we got to this discussion, but I jokingly said to John, if the Twins asked you seriously, will you play center field tonight? Would you do it? And John was like, absolutely. And I, of course, was like, oh, I would never do that. So from there, then we got asked them some kind of mailbag question that got my mind churning again. Uh-huh. And on the last episode, which was two days ago, Wednesday, which was a fun episode, um, we did almost like two hours of mailbag, and I ranted about Kepler, and we talked about the Valley Sports situation. Yes, so if right. you want to hear that, go subscribe. Yeah, we, have a let's few talk more, a little bit more about that. A few that more now. details about yeah, that. But yeah. anyway, it then became me saying to John, because I was so amused by how uh, gung-ho he was <laughs> to play center field and sure. embarrass himself oh, in yes. a major league and game. I, I fully understood I was going to be embarrassing But himself, I said, right. well, okay, let's then take it a step further. You're going to have to bat in that right. game. Do you? Th- how many at-bats would it take against, a let's just say, an average relief pitcher or an average starting pitcher right. who's trying? They're, right. They view yes. you as a real hitter, right. so they're trying. Right. Uh, how many at-bats until you are able to just put a ball, ball in, in play, play fair, not right. by bunting? Right. I don't know why I assume you would be able to bunt, but let's take that out of the equation. And so in my head, I'm thinking, well, John, I'll say you can't do that because any human who's not a baseball player would say they can't do that. And John goes, oh, I could could do that. And I say, put a ball in play. Yeah, that's what you said. This is the the stupidity, the delusion (laughs) that you put forth. And I said, okay. And then I was like, well, let's gas this up a little bit. So I said, (laughs) are we talking teens in terms of at-bats, teens, hundreds, or thousands? Right. And you said teens. teens. Yeah. So John believes he could put a ball in play against a major league pitcher who's trying their hardest right. in fewer than 100 at-bats, Yes, which is incredible to me. And so we talked about this, and I said <laughs> how absurd I think that is. And the majority of the people listening who commented agreed with me, which does not tend to happen. I will say if it's a 50-50 <laughs> ball, people tend to go with John. I feel very strongly about it. I, I, to me, I, just putting a ball in play doesn't seem like it'll be that, that difficult. Yeah. So, keep going because this yeah, is – Keep going. Right. So, at the ballpark yesterday, yes. I brought this up right. to, I would say, 50 different people, <laughs> including multiple former major leaguers. Okay. 
uh, and multiple current members of the coaching staff. Okay. And every writer in the entire place. <laughs> and not a single person uh, thought you could do it given infinite at-bats. And Interesting. I'm going to quote one of the former players who agreed okay. to be quoted, okay. who's Glenn Perkins, <laughs> who said, um, wait a second, uh, no effing chance. Never put I could not put, never a ball, put a ball in play. Never put a ball in play in a hundred at best. And several of the players and coaches who I feel like would at least have some mm. better sense than we would. Sure, yes. Suggested that not only couldn't you put a ball in play ever against a major league starter or a major okay. league pitcher, that I could drop down to like double A or find a D two college pitcher or even a really good high school pitcher, and you would eventually put a ball in play, but you would be shocked by how difficult and time-consuming it would be to actually get a ball and play. Right. So then the wheels in my brain started really moving, and okay. I said, well, we're going to do this. Yes, okay. Maybe for charity. Okay. And I approached Glenn Perkins, uh-huh. and I said, Glenn, here's how I started it. He knew nothing of this. He hadn't listened to the show, obviously, because <laughs> he has better things to do, I'm okay. assuming. And I said, Glenn, what are you throwing these days? Like, miles an hour. And he goes, uh, nothing. Like, what? <laughs> right, right. And I said, well, okay, could you, could you throw 20 pitches – at, you know, 90% and would it be 80-something miles an hour? And he said, maybe, but the next day you wouldn't want to see me. Like, <laughs> right, that would be yeah, it right, for me. Yeah, right, yeah, right, and so right. I was going to pitch to him for some sort of charity. Sure. We get you out there. He th- he gives you like 10 strikes, let's say. Okay. And if you put a ball in play. Now, this is a guy who had no, to... Re- ten, 10 strikes is... Different than uh, 100 at bat. Yes, but Glenn <laughs> Perkins, who's 40-something right, okay, okay, years old right. and literally hasn't thrown a baseball because he has such shoulder problems that he had to retire, sure, is sure, slightly sure. different than, you know, Johan Duran or something like that. So he, But that's where he said, you can find anyone, any active pitcher or even recently retired uh-huh. pitcher, and they will be able to uh, fulfill what you're looking for, which <laughs> is to make bonus realizing he's insane. <laughs> so that's where that's at. I'm working on it. Good. But... The charity component is going to have to be the driving force. Speaking of nuts. <laughs> yeah, great segue. <laughs> what if this was all just for that? We did this whole... Yeah. Speaking of absolute nuts, uh, we are uh, we got a new sponsor, nuts.com. Uh, both yeah. of us have, uh, have uh, received our... Uh, had some, ordered some stuff from nuts.com. I got to tell you, the um, bourbon pecan... You didn't get the bourbon pecan, and that no. was a mistake. You just wanted the bourbon, fault. I think. That was, no, that was part of it. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's roasted. You can get, like, freshly roasted nuts, dried fruit, candy, sweets, salty stuff, yeah. pantry staples, right. uh, all kinds of stuff. You can get kind of healthy stuff, or you can get unhealthy right. stuff. I got <laughs> right. the unhealthy stuff. I got the I mean, healthy can, stuff. I got, I've still got some almonds I'm working yeah, my way Yeah, they have, like, That's snack right. packs, nuts packs, you know, salty stuff. Organic all, choices, gluten-free right. options, other diet-friendly projects. You know, if, if you want somebody that's trying to be careful what you get, but you get those little cravings at about, you know, yeah. 11 a.m. It's got, a good idea. Yeah, it's getting a handful it, of uh, cashews and in it's, it. And it's shipped well. The packaging is good uh we ate like some of it put a little away you can kind of go back to the pantry we when you need it a lot of it so if you uh, are in the snack game and you're looking for an upgrade and you're looking for some different choices and maybe to try some stuff that you wouldn't normally just pluck off the shelves right. at your standard grocery store you can go to nuts.com they're offering new customers a free gift with purchase and totally free shipping on orders of 29 dollars or more 
you just go to nuts.com slash Gleeman. You can check out the delicious options. Nuts.com slash Gleeman. You'll receive a free gift and free shipping when you spend $20 or more. That's nuts.com slash Gleeman. And then also uh, go to a baseball game. Yeah, so, and yeah. watch the pitchers and think to yourself, <laughs> I could hit this guy easy. As a, and as I had to point out I to... I say I could hit him. I, I, I had to point play. out to one member of the coaching staff who maybe wasn't familiar with John mm-hmm. by name when I was saying, oh, Bonus thinks he can do... And the person said, tell me more about Bonus. And I said, oh, gr- and thank you for asking. This is a uh, 56-year-old gentleman who um, has one eye and one knee. Yeah, the, the eye thing, I th- thinking about it after yeah. that conversation, I did go to myself, it would be nice if I still had both of my yeah. eyes working. A lot of things would be nice, John. A lot of things would be nice. And the follow-up that I was asked was, well, how good was he in college? That's what he said to me, a coach. Right, right. He said, how good was he in college? And I said, Oh, I don't even know if he played high school. Like, <laughs> no, he did not. Absolutely did right. Not. So that's the baseline we're starting from. So people began laughing at that point, and I thought this is great. I almost, I wish I would have recorded all this because it would make for a good show. Anyway, game time. If you're looking for a last minute or hard to find tickets, not only to sporting events but like right. comedy shows, theater, right. anything really, that's their specialty. Is like. You know, it's a, it's the night before or right. even the morning of, and yeah. you're like, ooh, I want to go to this, but it's going to be real hard to find tickets. Game time, that's their specialty. Yes. That's what they're really honed in on. Yeah, and you, you go out there. I, mean, I think now is just a good – like there were 20,000 people at last night's game. It's easy to find tickets on game time. People ask me – I probably had four people within the last two weeks ask me about what's the best way to get tickets. And I just easily say, just go to game time. You're going to be able to find tickets for like – I found tickets for like four or five bucks yes. to get into Target Field. It's, right. You download the game time app. Right. You create an account, and then you use the promo code Gleeman, and you'll get $20 off your first purchase. Yeah. Uh, terms apply. Off of a game. You just create an account, again, and, and redeem the code Gleeman for $20 off. Download game time today for last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. I've been using this for 2019. You're going to like game time. Okay. So let's uh, run through some of this stuff here as we as – we Wait on the actual injury news. I mean, from the Astros series, it's of note that they finished the season series four and two against the defending yeah. champion Astros. Yeah. And, uh, and by the way, it's not like the Astros are struggling. No, the they've been hot games over five hundred or something yeah, like I mean, that. Right? Yeah. I bet in another two weeks they're going to be in first place, yeah. even though Texas got off Texas to a great start. Really but, good. Yeah. Uh, and they also finished the season series four and three against the Yankees. So if you'd have told me coming in, I mean, that is so different from past years when right. those two teams especially right. uh, have just destroyed the Twins. I mean, I, it wouldn't surprise me if last year or the year before they were like 3-12 and 12 or something right. like that against yeah, those same right. two teams. I didn't really look. but So at least that is, I think, something you throw that... the Dodgers in on that too. I mean, they yeah, were 1-2 two two versus two, the Dodgers, but they, but they really had, easily could have right. won. Uh, I think something with the Twins especially that people try to kind of find each season is, regardless of the record... Is there are there differences? Is there reason to believe this could play out differently than it does every season with the Twins? Well, I would say in particular, you pay a special attention to the good teams because you know those are the ones that you're be running into in the postseason. Sure. And the, I mean, at this point, winning the division yeah. doesn't mean that much for I mean, the Twins. I mean, even if they even if the AL Central was any good, winning the division doesn't mean that much I to agree. Twins fans. Yeah. They've got to they've got to show that they can do something in the postseason. And having success against teams like Houston and the Yankees and yeah, to some those are, the Dodgers, or? those are the two biggest boogeymen. Right? Yeah, uh, for the, the Twins League, probably, sure. yeah. and they will be for a while, and they yeah. have been for a while. So the fact that you went eight and five with a winning record against both, right. um, 
you know, I think is a good sign. Now we'll see. It's also just nice. We talked about this when we looked at the schedule at the beginning, like at the end of spring training. It's also just nice to be done with both of those things. <laughs> yes, exactly. Because, right. I mean, there yeah. are years where you look at the schedule and you go, oh, no, they don't play the Yankees till August, and then they play them seven times in two weeks. And it's like, well, that's going to be a road bump or, yep. or, you know, a roadblock that you have right. to get past potentially in the season. Um, the other thing. I love my note here. Perkins says, no effing chance. <laughs> Ren, writers all agree. That was another thing over dinner. Yeah. I, whole table I was, of I was getting texts from both Dan Hayes and Doe during yeah. the, while I was at the game yesterday. They were more like Dan and Doe and a couple other people, your uh, your employee Tom Schreier who really went against you. They were almost more adamant than I was that it wasn't possible for you to do. <laughs> okay. like, and I would describe myself as very adamant if you would listen to the Patreon. <laughs> yes. Yeah, um, yeah. So anyway, uh, we're going to put something together. Okay. I'm game. I will give John credit. There isn't much you, you'll say to John that he won't do. And I don't mean like gross stuff or like right. dangerous stuff. Right, yes. I just mean he'll put himself not, out not there. Jackass stuff. It's just well, not, yeah. Yeah. Jump into a pile of snakes or something. That's next right. on the show. Jump myself get, down a flight of stairs. Well, yeah, you were willing to do that, but only for certain starting pitchers. Yeah, we did get. We did land Korea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but also uh, this past week, you know. Royce Lewis has come up and made a huge impact, like we mentioned. We'll talk a little bit more about him, too. But, you know, he hits the three-run homer against Houston. Then he hits the game-time single in that same game with two outs in yes. the ninth to save their ass. <laughs> yep. And then yesterday hits the two-run game-tying homer to again save the Twins' ass a to blast, dead center. To a blast to dead center that the center fielder you know, started to go back on. Like, he didn't completely just watch it go. Yeah. But that ball just kept going. Yeah. Like, And we've seen a ton of balls die to dead center this year for the Twins and their yes. opponents. It's been really tough, more so than usual even, yeah. for guys to hit out. And even last night, we saw a bunch of balls <laughs> die in front of the bullpen in left hit, center. Yeah, and Polanco's down the left field line. Yeah. Which, Here was yeah. Baldelli's quote. Uh, he was talking about Royce afterward, and he said, uh, he takes a good adult hack at the plate. <laughs> uh, and then he said, we've seen some balls go to center and not get out of the ballpark this year, but it couldn't hold him. He's got a little extra something behind it. And Baldelli obviously was full of praise for for Lewis, basically saying, you know, at this stage, given the time he's missed, to be able to jump in here, that's just pure talent taking right. over. Like, right. that's just a baseball player shining through, and he said, you know, I don't give a crap about where a guy was drafted, certainly at this point, but you're seeing why he was so highly touted, and you're seeing why people like us, and obviously the Twins, continued to kind of obsess about him <laughs> throughout these right. last two or three years of, of missed time and rehabs and injuries because similar to Kirloff, I remember we had the same conversation about three weeks ago about Kirloff, there's, there's prospects, there's good prospects, and then there's potentially special prospects. Right, right. And with Kirloff and Lewis, we still need to see more from Lewis physically and all that, but those are the guys that no matter what, you know, stumbling blocks come up for them or no matter how much time they miss or if they struggle or in these cases they both had back-to-back significant surgeries on the same injury basically wrist for Kirloff and and knee for Lewis you stick with them because it's they're not just going to become regulars they have the potential to be stars yeah uh, and so to see Lewis just jump in I mean it also gets to something something I think we've talked about on this podcast a couple weeks ago uh, the team that you have in like Memorial Day is the traditional time for evaluating. Here's the team we have, right? But the team that you have in May is not necessarily the team that you're going to have in September. Yeah. And the biggest difference for the Twins is they do have 
these talents sitting at you know sitting at triple a or you know making their way up through the minors yeah. that they have a fair amount of faith in and probably should have a fair amount of faith in and i mean we actually saw I mean, think of we've seen a huge immediate impact from Lewis, right. who is now locked right. in yep. as either the starting third baseman or maybe yep. shortstop, depending on Correa. Yep. Kirilov has been their best hitter since he yep. came off the aisle. He's got a 450 on base percentage. Right. He's drawing walks. He's hitting doubles and singles. Like he hasn't really launched the ball that much. Right. But I mean, the quality of his at bats has just been incredible, which is right. especially amazing given A, he's missed the bulk of two years with a wrist problem, and B, he was a great prospect. In spite of not great plate discipline coming up through the minors, he has almost as many walks in like 90-something plate appearances right now. I think he has 16 walks as he had combined the previous two years with the Twins. I think he had 19, and that was in like 350 plate appearances or something like that. Like He looks like a completely different hitter. In that way, I wonder if the wrist thing is – yeah, that's the the silver lining to the wrist troubles that he's had the last couple of times. Is he he's had to learn patience because yeah, it was it was painful to swing. Yeah, I mean, I <laughs> think for, with Lewis too is like it, he's I think swung at. I don't know that Lewis has drawn a walk this year or last year. Right. Maybe had one last year with the Twins, but uh, I think similarly, Lewis got a chance to really work on his body beyond the knee. Right. And get a lot stronger. And I think when Baldelli says, just older. Well, that's it's true too. Growing, growing into muscles. But yeah. I think, yeah, the uh, adult yeah. adult hack. I like. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Uh, you know, Baldelli said afterward, uh, we were walking out in the hallway, and I said, that was a good quote about the adult hack. And he goes, I almost called it a big boy swing, but I thought that might be insulting to him. So, so he made a change but, on the fly. But it, that's just, it's not just. Kirilov and or Lewis are both good examples of guys yeah. that have come and made an impact. We've seen flashes as well from yeah, I mean uh, from Waller, Waller went six for ten. We haven't we haven't talked about him being sent down yet. And we and Julian, yeah. had, he had two big games since we last talked. Both Friday and Saturday were big games for him, yeah. right? And he got sent down. So we've seen flashes there as well. Even to some extent, Larnick, who also is in the news this week, we got a lot to talk about. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so let's uh, let's just go piece by piece here. I mean. I don't know. I feel like there's obviously every week there's a lot to talk about with Correa, but I almost feel like this will be something we talk about maybe on Monday's Patreon show. Maybe. Again, similar to last yeah, week, yeah, once we have a sense of sure. is he back in the lineup? Is he on the injured list? It's just It seems kind of pointless to speculate about it on a Friday morning right. when Friday night we're going to find out. But, I mean, it's hard to imagine a worse start to a six-year contract just yeah. from a performance standpoint, from an injury standpoint. Uh, it's rough. Well, the worst, the worst start would be if something was wrong with the ankle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess, but that plantar fasciitis is not good. I mean, no. it's, I don't know, it's pretty bad. And it's by the way, it's not as if the ankle has now been cleared for eternity. Sure, well, like, right. it's still looming right. potentially. Um, Royce Lewis, I don't know. We could talk about him forever too. I mean, I think you're gonna, he's gonna have stretches particularly if he stays this aggressive at the plate right. where they start to feed him breaking balls and they start to kind of uh, get to the edges of the zone more. Cause I, I do think, you know, the homer he hit was basically middle, middle, but it was 96, but they're still challenging him because they look at him as, well, what's he proven? And he's missed two years. Like I'll throw him a 96 relatively down the middle. And the more he punishes that, which he certainly has the ability to do, which by the way, when they drafted him and even early in the minors with him, when he was having great seasons in the minors and make himself a you know top twenty five, top fifty global prospect, it was not based on power. 
Right. It was based right. on speed right. and bat to ball skills and kind of being a slashing, you know, all fields singles and doubles type of guy. We saw the power a little last year. I mean, he was hitting tanks at St. Paul, and then they called him up, and he hit the grand slam against Cleveland right. at, at Target Field, got the standing O and all that, or the curtain call. I mean, he's hitting these, and these are not wall scrapers. Like, right. I mean, the the one to the opposite field against Houston was not a bomb, but there are just very few guys who can hit a ball like that and get it over a fence to the opposite field like yeah. that. And then the one he hit last night is, you know, there are certain – I read something, I forget, maybe it was on Fangraphs or uh, MLB with the StatCast stuff. But if you take a guy's like 90th percentile exit velocity, it really separates kind of wheat from chaff because it's a level that only certain guys can get to. It doesn't guarantee that you're going to be a great hitter just because you hit the ball harder right. than everyone else. Right. But there are... Like Don't a, look at their absolute max velocity. Right. Take a look at where they are at the 95th percentile. And so I look at... Lewis, the ball he hit to dead center, and I just think to myself, there are only a, a few guys on any major league team who can even do that. Right, uh, once, let alone like do it in their you know one of their first I twenty think games. If I had hundred at bats, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cumulatively, you would not. I did say in the middle of last night's game, I would love to see the total distance traveled by balls hit by the Twins and balls hit by Cleveland at the point right. at which yeah, yeah, Cleveland yeah. was winning. Like It had right. to be 3-1 to one in the right. Twins' favor. Let me ask you the question about Razor as I was asked yesterday, and yeah. I'll see if you come up with a similar answer. Okay. The question was this. Other than like a rehab assignment or whatever, right? what is the ch- percentage chance that Royce Lewis never is demoted right. again? I mean, they would like it to be zero. Well, I, know, I mean, that's I, certainly I know, what every, everybody would like. would like it to be zero. Well, I just right? need to clarify, like, that is the plan. Right. Uh, or right. the hope. Yes. Um, he's not viewed as, like, filling in for Miranda. No. I no, mean, this is right. his to this get. This is it. Yes. I mean, with any young player, I mean, Miranda is, this, this is what I'm, Miranda's a prime example, which is, is if you would have asked me this in late July of last year about Miranda, right. I might have said, well, why would he go back to the minors? Right. Things can change. Um but yeah, I don't I don't know. What percentage chance that he ends up back in the minors at some point? I mean, maybe five, ten percent, something like that. I, I mean, went I, I went a little higher than that. But I, I would say tw- that I went twenty percent. But I would say that about almost any, you know, guy with fifteen games in the majors. With like options. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, true. well no, I, that's what I'm that's what kind yeah. of the thing is. There's like, always a possibility right. that again the league starts testing him differently and starts, you know, not right, right, right. uh throwing in the zone and he starts chasing a little bit yeah. and he goes through a slump and you know, let's say Correa's healthy and Miranda starts hitting again and you know, something and they'll go yeah. All right, Royce needs a reset at at Triple A or whatever. But yeah, I mean, I think it's certainly unlikely at this point. He just looks, Baldelli, it sounds stupid, but it's one of the best compliments that people in baseball will give, which Baldelli said last night, like, this is just a baseball player. Like, there there is a sense about him, and that's why he went 1-1 in the draft out of high school. These are the same things people said about him back then, which is you just look at him and you watch him play and you just go, this guy's just good. Like, you know, it's similar. You show up to some high school game. You know, you go watch your cousin or something go and play in a high school game. You watch three innings and you just go, oh, yeah, the shortstop's like way better than everyone else. And that's just the vibe I think he gives I off. I mean, that's true. But uh, that's also was the true of like, say, Miranda in spring training. Sure. Like, this guy's just a hitter. He's just sure. a hitter. And, yeah. I, you know, no, I agree. Right? Yeah. Prospects are uh, they're silly, really, <laughs> is what they are. Uh, on the So two veterans returned, Kepler and Polanco. Kepler returned Monday. Polanco returned last night. Last night, yeah. Uh, from the IL, both with hamstring injuries, both missed roughly two weeks with a hamstring injury, and that meant two corresponding moves had to be made, and in both cases, the Twins made the straightforward, obvious move of 
sending down the player who had been called up to replace them when they got hurt. Right. So in Kepler's case, Kepler went on the IL. Actually, Kepler went on the IL. Larnick replaced him. Right. And then That's Larnick true. got pneumonia yeah. and then was replaced by right. Walner. Well, so right. really, Walner replaced Kepler, but with right. Larnick as the middleman. So Kepler's back. Larnick is still on the IL, although is beginning a rehab assignment tonight yes. uh, with the Saints in right. Buffalo. Okay. And it sounds like he might play the weekend at AAA then everyone has Monday off, including the Twins, uh, and then he could be back Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Although, what does back mean? I think he's back at right. St. Paul. So but. similar to, to Walner. So Kepler comes back. Walner goes back down, even though he was riding an eight plate appearance um, on base streak. On base streak. <laughs> right. And then in his first three games at St. Paul, he homered in all three. Uh, did you see the exit velocities he had? Yeah, and all of I mean those he's just smoking the ball. Crazy. Um, and Kepler went two for seventeen, lowered his batting average to one ninety eight, and then exited the game with a migraine headache. Which okay, um, that is something he's he's had in the past. I don't want to downplay migraines because it is serious, um, or it can be serious. And then Polanco, similarly, Polanco comes back. They send down Julian, who had been called up in the first place to sub for Polanco. That was very straightforward, too. And I think maybe more would have been made of that. Like, oh, isn't there a place for Julian if he weren't overshadowed so much by Walner? Because right. Julian had, a, I think, a 101 OPS plus in 72 plate appearances wow. this year, which for a rookie yeah. is is good. Hit four homers in 72 plate appearances, seven walks. The, the, th- the three things I will say about him are, one – the defense was every bit as rough as expected, yep. which has always been the case. We've talked endlessly about his defense in spring training at second base. Uh, two, I think he got, you know, he has great plate discipline. Um, but I think at times he was almost like passive yep. in a few at-bats where he would just yeah. take three strikes and go sit yeah. back down. That can't happen. But that's something that is easy enough to fix. The thing that really stood out to me was, A, the power he showed when he got into one. That's legit. That's right. Um, to to but all fields, especially opposite, opposite field, field yeah. power. But that I mean, was he, the most impressive. He to cranked me. one in uh, what was it, Fenway or something, to right center too. And then the stat that I really, you know, matched the scouting reports on him was the average hitter, you know, league wide, swings at about thirty percent of pitches outside the strike zone. In other words, you throw a hundred pitches that aren't strikes. You're going to get swings on like 28 or 29 or 30 of them, 30 percent. Let's right. call it. He swung at 17 percent of non-strikes, which is precisely what everyone said about him. Which is he just will not swing at at bad pitches. He just won't. He has an incredible eye at the plate. Uh, that's how he posts 450 on base percentages in the minors. That's why he walks 100 times in the minors. But the flip side to that is we also saw him refuse to swing at some strikes. Right. Um, you know, I think I, he think he swung at like sixty percent of balls in the zone, which the usual rate is seventy percent or something yeah, like that. Just so clear, you don't always want to swing at a, a strike, right? Yeah, right. Um, I mean, I would prefer a young hitter have his extreme sure. approach than the opposite right. approach, which is to swing at everything. But you know, there are some areas to work on. I think defensively, either a he has to get much better at second base, or b he has to not play second base. But they've been oddly in my opinion hesitant to give him any kind of game reps at first base left field dh that sort of thing i do think ultimately that's going to be how his bat gets in the lineup but for now they still view him as a second baseman and i don't want to act like he's the worst second baseman i've ever seen sure but there were just a handful of plays where you just go no that's not that's not right it didn't look right the other thing is you know you gotta maintain that discipline at the plate but also 
avoid being passive in key spots right. and avoid being you know, someone that they feel they can just pump strikes to early in the count. And I'm pretty confident he'll be able to fix that because right. that's something he's been very aware of and even talked to us about yeah, that, that's during what, spring training. That's what struck me after watching him at this level. Because we yeah. watch, got to watch him at spring training yep. and such too. But, but watching him at this level in these, you know, little more pressure situations, I kept flashing back to like the first time we talked to him yep. where it was, you know, what – the question was sort of, you know, when when did things really click for you at Double A? What made you what made things click? And his answer was, I started getting aggressive on the first and second pitch early in counts. I, I want to be I want to be aggressive. I want to go up there with a I'm going to hit this ball mindset early in the counts. That was a little strange to hear from somebody who's known for his patience, right? right. Who's known for be, knowing the strike zone and so on. And you, you, that's the sort of thing you'd see. A Carlos Gomez would seem to be that would be his philosophy. I'm going to go up there and I'm going to hit. You know. But for him, that's an adjustment, and his adjustment, frankly, it sounds like he still needs to kind of keep thinking. Right. Like he's still got to be thinking. I'm gonna swing at these. Right. These. I mean, first here's, couple pitches. here's the truth, and we see this with. I always use uh, David Eckstein as an example. When David Eckstein, the uh, Cardinals and Angels shortstop right. from the early 2000s, right. I don't know why he's always my example, but it's a very <laughs> prominent example. Of what I'm going to talk about, which is Midwest boy, when he was, uh, I think he might be from California. I think it's North, I think it's North Dakota. Oh, maybe you're right. I don't I know. I can't remember. Um, he uh, he looks like he could be in your family, <laughs> just looks wise. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah I, 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 I just there's so many of those like middle, you know, middle infield guys like that from yeah. that era that I remember their name. That he, yeah. I could absolutely have him mixed up with a different one. I mean, one. you're probably right. I have no idea where he's from. Um, but in the minors, he had such a good eye at the plate and such an ability to make contact that I remember he was a Red Sox prospect, like a not right. heralded prospect, second base prospect, I think. And he drew like 100 walks in multiple right. seasons in the minors. But then he got to the majors, um, and he was still a really good player all around, but his walk rate like just plummeted to the point that he had a horrible walk rate and he right. instead turned himself into sort of a swing early swing off and contact hitter right. and he made himself into a good hitter but the reason he had to make that adjustment is when you don't have power and you're you know five foot five right. like Eckstein was you're never going to get walked because they're just going to throw you strikes right. and that's not to say Julian has significantly more power than than David Eckstein but what he's going to learn and probably has learned in these 72 plate appearances is you're not going to draw – he's not going to draw 100 walks a season against Major League Pitching. I mean, right. he'll, he'd be lucky to right. draw 75 in a season right. even if things go well for him. And those 25 walks or maybe 50 walks that you kind of just lose because the pitchers are just better and also they're not scared of you the way that double-A and triple-A hitters because you're no longer the biggest threat that they're going to see in a given right. week – they're just going to pump you strikes, which we've seen to some extent. And that doesn't mean his eye is any less valuable. Right. It just means what happens to those 25 or 50 plate appearances when double-A and triple-A guys are walking you? Wh where do those get distributed now when you're getting thrown strikes in right. those plate appearances? Yeah. And they need to and get quality strikes. Right. Strikes, That's the other thing. strikes you don't want to swing at mostly. I mean, it sounds right. obvious, but that is one of the biggest differences, I would say, more so than just raw stuff between triple-A – and the majors, there are plenty of guys, especially relief pitchers, sure. who throw 96 with a good breaking ball at AAA. I mean, we see them shuttled up and down all the time. It's a very thin line. 
I mean, half the guys at AAA play in the majors in a given season. Right. But the biggest difference is – They throw them in a square. Right. The guys can paint <laughs> right. corners yeah, in the yeah, majors, right. and even the guys who lack great stuff can <laughs> right. kind of overpower you with their strike throwing. We've seen it from a guy like Louis Varland, which has become right. like his biggest strength is the raw stuff he could just sort of overwhelm people with a little bit in the minors. But major league hitters see 96 all the time. Right. But his ability to just pound the strike zone, and I think that's what Julian is going to have to adjust to, which I think is, you know, whenever he gets back to the majors, and I'm assuming we'll see him at some point again this season and in the future for sure, he's going to have to adjust to how do I make, how do I swing it only good pitches, but also be aware that I'm going to see more good pitches. Right. So taking that approach, but in general, I mean, you would take that first. 20 games or whatever he played from any prospect. Right, right. I mean, he held his own. He had his head above water offensively. He showed some power. He drew some walks. It looked good. And yet it pales into compar- in comparison to Walner, who was just on fire for the last two or three games that he played. Although the funny thing is, before those last two or three games, he was hitting like 078. Right, right. There was no one well, that's true. Uh, campaigning right. for him to stay in the majors exactly at that point. Right, yeah. uh, before we talk about the Kepler-Walner situation... Um, let's talk about stamps.com. I always use the example of, uh, I became a stamps.com user like four or five years ago when I had the bright idea (laughs) of coming out with a book and saying to people, Hey, if you send me 20 bucks, I will autograph the book and send it to you. Right. And I thought, man, maybe 50 people will take me up on that. Instead, it was like a thousand people, <laughs> um, and I realized. But even if it was only fifty, you would have used. True, you'd like to use stamps.com. But right. I basically turned my living room into actually dining room into it's, a light industrial all, factory. It's all one room. <laughs> let's be honest. Uh, into a, right. a shipping factory, yeah. and without being able to use stamps.com, I would have been driven mad. Yeah, uh, and the stamps.com to were already yes, even. If the, it yeah. really saved me because <laughs> a you can print your own labels for everything which is saves you trips after trips after trips to the post office which is somewhere you don't want to spend a whole lot of time (laughs) and the beauty of stamps is when you print the labels it gives each one a number and then you can track the shipment so you can say if someone says hey where's my book you can say oh actually it was delivered yesterday so Mm -hmm. we got to figure out what happened here or it's scheduled to come tomorrow and you know regardless of what you're shipping you can just sort of have it on hand and all you need is a printer, basically. Right. And you can, you know, label and ship and print and do the postage for and weigh. Uh, and you can just drop it in any mailbox or give it to your, you know, uh, postal carrier instead of having to wait in line. It's just a, a great invention right. yes. and something that I, I think people don't even maybe realize is available to them as they <laughs> wait in line for the third hour at the post office. So you can also avoid the hassle and get started with stamps.com today. Sign up with the promo code geek. So this is geek is the promo code, not Gleeman. Sign up with the promo code geek for a special offer that includes a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to stamps.com. Click the microphone at the top top of the page and enter the code geek. And also, uh, listen, I've uh, been using, we always talk about native deodorant, but I've been using native sunscreen because you get those seats down the third base line at target field during a day game. That sun has been, that sun last weekend was brutal. Uh, and, uh, you know, you want, you have the same concerns about sunscreen that you have with deodorant, which is what am I putting all over myself uh, on a regular basis? All here? over myself. <laughs> right? yeah. you're, not just, you're not just putting it underneath your armpits, you're putting it on your face, you're putting it on your yeah. arms. Your legs. Native uses uh, natural ingredients and stuff that you see the ingredients listed and right. you go, 
well, I at least know what that is. It's right. not some chemical that I've never heard of, some right. compound or whatever. Right. Um, and they also have, uh, you know, deodorant. But yeah, like John said, the sunscreen. Three uh, delicious uh, su- subtle sites. I, I was using coconut and pineapple. They also have rosé or sweet peach and nectar for your face or body. So I know you like to smell nice when you... And they have unscented <laughs> if you just like your natural smell, but you'd like some sunscreen <laughs> exactly protection. Right, yeah. uh, give your skin the protection it deserves with Native's mineral sunscreens. Go to NativeDEO, D-E-O like deodorant, right. NativeDEO.com slash Gleeman. Use the promo code Gleeman at checkout. You'll get 20% off your first order. That's NativeDEO.com slash Gleeman. Use the promo code Gleeman at checkout. NativeDEO.com slash Gleeman. Okay. Um, I don't know. Kepler and Walner. <laughs> we I, a lot of, we, we a ranted lot of... for about, well, I ranted for about a half hour on the <laughs> yeah. Patreon. So, I, you know, I'll give you the, the Cliff's Notes version of that. Uh, you know, like we said, Walner was always going to be the move <laughs> right. to be sent down, the corresponding right. move. If Larnick would have not gone on the aisle with pneumonia, he would have been the corresponding move to be sent down. But that doesn't make it any less, you know, awkward or the optics any less weird of this guy's just on absolute fire and we sent him down and then he just kept destroying the ball at AAA. And meanwhile, Max Kepler is being Max Kepler, which is he's, you know, long funk. And the, the other thing, Kepler didn't even go on a rehab assignment. Like they could have bought themselves an extra three days and basically given Walner a chance to cool off or at least, you know, end his uh, on base streak at some point and then said, okay, now we're going to send you down. Instead, Kepler comes back without going on the rehab assignment, which happens to him quite a bit. Um, and then goes two for 17. I can't ever remember him being on a rehab. Yeah. He's one of the guys who skips him. Um, and so I get why people are kind of up in arms with that, but, and you know, I don't know. I, we said this on the Patreon, like, if you've been listening to the show for any length of time, I think you know my thoughts on the Kepler situation, and I think John, for the most part, agrees yeah. with me, maybe a little less extreme, but it's not, like, no one should be surprised that Walner got sent down when Kepler was activated, because that decision of sticking with Kepler here in on June 1st or whatever was essentially made... In December sure. or January, right. when they decided not to trade him, they're not going to make a wholesale change like that. Right. Once they, once he is starting the the season with the team, they're right. not going to in the middle of you know May lose a veteran, lose the additional depth that comes from that. Especially when you've got you know injury problems with you know Kirilov and Larnick and you know, not Walner so much, but you know you, other questions about Walner. You know whether or not he can hit for average, etc. You've got questions about all of the replacements for him. Right, so they're not, and unfortunately, if he's going to be on the roster, he's got to play. He's got to start. He can't be a bench bat on this roster. Right, they they don't have that flexibility with thirteen people right now. They've got too many other things that they're doing. Yeah, I mean, it's the same reason that they don't just keep Walner in addition to Kepler, right? Because it's just such a limited role for that. It's pinch hitter or whatever. But now that doesn't take the Twins off the hook. No, I'm not suggesting in any way that they're doing like quote unquote the right thing by sticking with Kepler at the expense of Walner or Larnick or whatever. All I'm but, saying but is, I also don't think you're advocating that they go and cut Kepler or trade Kepler right now and bring these I guys mean, up right now. Well, what I'm saying is, it's a tricky thing because right. my point is they should have never gotten no, to no, this I stage know, I know. with Kepler. Right, I think they should have right. traded him 
in December or January or February. And they claim they could have, and they could have. But what they claimed at the time, to me at least, was, you know, not only can we dump his eight and a half million salary whenever we want, which I I certainly believe was the case. I I asked around to other teams about that, and that's true. But what the Twins claimed was it it doesn't have to be just a salary dump during the offseason. We feel we can get actual value for him. And I thought, well, okay, I guess I'm not shocked by that, but it's a little surprising. But then as the next couple of months played out and spring training started and Kepler was, there he is again, he's the right fielder again, Um, and he's on the opening day roster and he's pushing aside younger players on all that and he's batting leadoff early in the season and all that, I thought to myself, well, one of two things happened here. Because I do think the Twins were telling the truth, at least from their point of view, sure. about Kepler. I asked around with other teams, and they kind of you know, corroborated what was going on. But one of two things happened, and neither of them are great for the Twins. Either they just vastly overrated Max Kepler's trade value, which I'm going to say is uh, the Occam's razor outcome here, right. given that they've stuck with Kepler for three years running when it seems like he's a trade candidate and it seems like he's ready to get phased out and they just haven't done that. And they were just asking for too much and no team was willing to right. take on his $8.5 million salary for a declining player and give them you know, a good reliever or a couple of decent prospects or right. whatever their asking price was. I heard very various versions of what they were actually asking. Um, or, and I'm guessing this is what the Twins would say, the other 29 teams collectively underrated Max Kepler, <laughs> which I guess that's plausible, but ultimately that's meaningless because there's only 30 teams. So if you place a value on a player and 100% of the other teams that could trade for him disagree with that value, you've overrated them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There is no theoretical like other 10 teams. There isn't, there's 30 teams. You can't go, well, if there was some other team, they might trade for him because they would see his value. Well, the other 29 did not match your your value. And I get the 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 kind of baseline logic of that, which is $8.5 million is not an exorbitant salary for a starting right fielder. Right. And he also, for next year, has a $10 million option or a $1 million buyout, which they, I would say, stubbornly, but they continued to view that as an asset as opposed to something to get out from under that million dollars. And if you buy into all that, and they're clearly bigger fans of Max Kepler than I am, and if you buy into that, and it's like, well, yeah, why would we dump him just to dump him? But my point at the time was, A, he's a declining asset, and I've given up. There's no reason, in my opinion... To view him as having upside, I think the the canard of you know the shift limitations are going to fix him. All resource, research on that that I read that I would trust uh, suggested it was going to equal like a half dozen singles a year. I mean, right. and we've kind of seen that. He has a lower batting average on balls in play this year than ever before, and he literally has the lowest career batting average on balls in play of any hitter since 1990, <laughs> uh, and it's like 195 this year. We've seen exactly what we thought would play out, which is, yeah, they can't do the extremist shifts against him, right. but they can still shift him, right. and he still just chops balls to second base and hits pop-ups and hits weak fly balls, and those are always going to be out. Yep. So yep. the fact that he makes contact isn't that valuable. And so – my thought at the time in December, January, whatever it was, was, you know, is he still a useful player? Sure. He's a really good defensive corner outfielder. He's got some speed. He's a slightly below average hitter, but that's not right. the end of the world right. when packaged with the defense. He's a low end starting, you know, player. Is that great value for eight and a half million? 
No, it's not terrible value. Right. But my thought, similar to Pagan, was, and it's the same argument, really. It was they. Their argument was, well, we still think Pagan is a useful reliever, and th- what's three and a half million? Right. Well, we still think Kepler's a useful starting right fielder, and what's eight and a half million? Well, yeah. Well, and that, that's except- why, that's why he was pro- potentially a tradable asset. Right. right? People are going out there and signing left-handed hitting out corner outfielders, Absolutely. and they're having to give them multi-year deals or something like yeah. that. I mean, it, even they gave Joy Gallo eleven million right. for yeah. one year. So, right. but my point then, and certainly now, was. Looking at this roster, you could have traded Kepler, gotten some value in return, less than they wanted, obviously, turned the position over to Larnick, or as it turned out, Larnick was needed to fill in for Kirloff, so it would have been Walner on the opening right. day roster. Yeah. I would have had no problem with that. He was their minor league player of the year, and he crushed double A AA and triple A last year. I get that they maybe thought he needed a little bit more time at triple A, but whatever. For ten percent of the cost, you know, seven hundred something thousand, and use that remaining eight million to I don't know sign a relief pitcher or <laughs> right. anything right. really. Right. Like, and so now two months in, every kind of skepticism or you know head scratching element of their decision not to trade Kepler has played out. You know, in the I don't want to say the worst way, but in the ways that people like me feared, which is. He's again not been productive. He's right. hit 198. Yeah. He's been yeah. sidelined. 84 OPS plus. Right. I mean, he's just not, he's, yep. you know, 80 points off of an average right fielder. Right. Defense is fine, but I mean, come on, at some point. Uh, he's already been sidelined twice with minor injuries, which has yep. now happened six times in the last three years, which is, you can't even say, well, he's at least dependable because he's out all the time and his performance fluctuates pretty wildly right. in yes. there. And Walner is, a 25-year-old reigning minor league player of the year who put up like a 980 OPS in the high minors last year and has been even better at AAA this year. And in the couple of brief stints he's now gotten in September and again recently with the Twins totaling, I don't know, 25 games or whatever right. it's been, he's more than held his own, including being on fire the last two or three games before they sent him down. And so... I mean, for that matter, you've also got Larnick sitting down, probably sitting right. down at St. Paul as well. Listen, I understood last year... Going into spring training, still having Kepler on the right. Listen, what we in December when we all thought he was going to get traded, right? When they yes. signed Gallo, and we were all like, "Listen, this is right. absolutely the end for Kepler." There's a ninety-eight percent chance he's traded, right? Uh, going fast forward that three months, they haven't traded him yet, and we get to the beginning of spring training. Oh, they traded you, a rise they tra- to yeah, yeah, remove exactly. a left-handed bat exactly instead. Right. So basically, now they need to, you know, maybe they need another left-handed bat. And we're also taking a look. We're like, yeah, I mean, there are questions about all the other guys, right? But, but you don't need you don't need all of them to hit. You just need one of them, right. <laughs> one or two of them, to for the answer to be yes to make it valuable. I mean, there were even questions about Gallo. Let's be honest. Uh, right. Coming in, coming but in that's the training, thing. Right. There were questions about Kepler. Well, that's true. So too. that's where that's that right. falls that's apart right. for that's me. I'm not saying what you're saying, no. but their logic. I mean, so you've got five guys, and there's questions about all of them. You're like, we need to. Wouldn't you just be as just as good with four of those guys? Right. <laughs> it would be different questions. if you didn't have t- multiple top prospects or former top right. prospects, left-handed hitting corner outfielders with some upside in Larnick and and uh, Walner waiting in the wings. Then I could say, well, yeah, if your alternative is Mark Contreras or right. Kyle Garlick, then hang on to Kepler. But even if – and this is what ends up happening. Larnick was needed to fill in for Kirilov, which right. then you go, oh, yes. it's a good thing they have depth. Right. But they had already signed Gallo, and what would have been the end result? Yeah. Would Walner have been the opening day right fielder? And by the way, I felt the whole time they really, and I still think this, 
all offseason, we laid out all kinds of right-handed hitting outfielders. Andrew McCutcheon, Trey Mancini, uh, Adam Duvall, yeah. those type of guys. If they would have traded Kepler, handed the primary right field duties to Walner for 10% of the cost, and then used the $8 million to sure. go sign some decent right-handed hitting outfielder, then you have exactly as much outfield depth, but it's an actual better fit from a functionality, you know, day-to-day utility standpoint. And instead, they just sort of stockpiled all these nearly identical left-handed hitting corner outfielders. Uh, Gallo, Kepler, Larnick, Walner, and all that happened was two of them, who are the youngest and cheapest, and I would argue have the most long-term viability for the Twins, potentially, right. would just were just kind of cast aside to the point that now Walner's just at AAA just – the AAA pitchers got to be saying like, "What the? What's this guy got to do to get out of the international league? Why do we have to keep pitching this?" The guy? question being that I mean, the, I don't mind relitigating the decision they made this offseason because you know, we, yeah. but and and pointing out how it has turned out. The question to me, sort of right now, is so what now though? Like that to me right. is the more interesting question, sure. and it's probably the question they themselves are wrestling with. And I think we're kind June. You start getting to the point where. Agreed. That's why I wrote. Wait, wait. I have an article this morning, right. basically saying what you're saying, Dude, which is because I don't think I don't think that I don't think that I think we are probably more willing to say you trade Kepler away. I mean, if Aaron Hicks can find a job someplace, Max Kepler can find a job someplace, right? Uh, you know, you you get rid of Kepler, but that does now you have less depth, right? I don't know if you need that additional depth or not, right? Right. I mean, in now the three pressure, days, they're uh, going to have Larnick and Walner available. I've agreed. Yep. And look, maybe Kirloff there's your depth. hurts his wrist again, or maybe <laughs> right. Gallo gets hurt again. But, right. I mean, yeah, that's, but that's the case with any team. Right. You don't have nine guys quality at every the, position. The question sort of becomes that, it's a, like, the clock isn't really ticking until, until Memorial Day. On Kepler, right? He's going to get those first two months to try and figure out what's going on. Right. I mean, I think <coughs> but you're now right. the clock starts ticking between now right. and the trade. Deadline, I agree. Basically. Because like we said, you know, no one should be shocked that Kepler is welcomed back from the injured list. That decision, I mean, they were never going to cut right. him. Once he makes the opening day roster or yes. gets to spring training, right. I guess, makes it through the offseason on the team, which to me was a head scratcher to begin with. But once that happens, well, I mean, they're going to stick with him for two or three months. But to your point, now we're at the stage of the season where, A, you know, depth is not as important for a couple reasons. One, you only have 100 games to play instead of right. 162. Correct. Two, someone like Walner is – just banging on the door Show, to the majors, showing now. what they can do, right? right. Yep. And then three, you're a month away from being able to make trades, and so if you do need outfield depth, if it all goes haywire, you know, injury wise, after you trade Kepler, just go out and trade for somebody too. Right. So, you know, well, I mean, even Trevor Larnick, as much as he has struggled in the majors, being sent down right yeah. to the to AAA. Still better than Max Kepler right, right now. Yeah, so Larnick's career <laughs> OPS plus is ninety four, which means it's six percent worse than the right. league average, which is scaled to one hundred. Right. During that same three year period, twenty twenty one, twenty twenty two, and twenty twenty three, Max Kepler's OPS plus is ninety four. Yeah. Right. So Larnick's first taste of the majors, which right. has been very underwhelming and right. has gotten demoted several times, has been identical to Kepler. Now Kepler's a vastly superior defensive player, but sure. Kepler's also thirty right. and is on clearly on the decline right. um, and is making literally like twelve times as much money. <laughs> yeah, right. And so that's where I'm kind of at with it, which is did I expect them to cut Kepler by now? No. No. I think they should have parted ways in the offseason. Sure. But once they don't do that, then he is going to get a decent run here to get at least to June right. with the job. But 
now the the depth should no longer be a priority, particularly because what is he offering as depth if he's not playing well? Right. Like, um, and you have Walner waiting in the wings. And I, here's the other thing: we're not talking about some 22 year old kid here. Matt Walner's 25. He's got like a hundred and something games in the high minors, including like 90 games at AAA right. where he's just crushed, and he's got. When we've said the same twenty five games in the majors, and we've said the same well. thing, made the same argument about Larnick right. as well, which is like these guys but have got to sink or swim point, here pretty soon. You have right. to find out what you have, and right. clearly, I mean, I say this, I knock on wood. Max Kepler is not part of the Twins' plans beyond this season. Now I've said that before and been wrong, but I mean, it seems obvious. <laughs> and so, if he's not part of your plans beyond this season, or at least let's put it this way, should not be part of your plans beyond this season, then the only question is. Are you convinced that he is clearly superior for the rest of this season than Larnick and or Walner? Right. I think that's a really difficult argument to make at this point, particularly after seeing Walner. And we've seen Larnick, who I would not describe as playing well, and he's basically matched him from production. Right. So, I mean, you're telling me that Walner, even if the strikeouts flare up and you know we start to see some flaws, which we will if he's playing, right. you're telling me he can't post a 690 OPS uh, with acceptable defense? like, And so... That's where I'm at the point with Kepler is like now they're we've gotten to the point where they're compounding a mistake. They're making it worse. You've you made the mistake of not parting ways with him during the offseason. Then you stuck with him, which is understandable given that first action, and he struggled. He's hitting 198. So you've cost yourself for two months. Right. He's part of why the lineup has struggled. And now you're in June, you got one guy in Larnack who deserves to play to just find out what he is, and another guy in Walner who is just his bat is just screaming for an opportunity at age right. twenty-five. And the longer you go with Kepler, all you're doing is saying, "Well, we kind of made a mistake keeping him, but we just got to keep going down this path." And I just don't think right. it's a good path. So whether that means he needs to be DFA'd or traded or salary dumped or whatever, I just I don't understand. The present upside of sticking with him over those two other guys, and I certainly don't understand the future gains right. that are from that. And so, it's just it's a frustrating thing to kind of see it all. And again, this didn't take some genius to say that they should have traded Max Kepler. Right. A lot of people were on board. You know, when John and I agree on something, it's not taking genius <laughs> well, brain yeah, power. I mean, everybody took a look and just yes. we've got way too many left hitting left handed hitting cards. And to see it play yes. out almost precisely as everyone kind of feared or was hesitant about, it's it seems like doubly frustrating, especially when the lineup you mentioned this on the Patreon. If this were 2019 and you had five or six guys slugging 500 right. and the lineup was putting up six, seven runs a night, then yeah, go ahead and back Kepler eighth right. and just live with the defense and hope he turns it around. But you cannot live with bad offense yeah. from right field when you're also getting bad offense from center field and catcher and, for that matter, two, three other spots in the lineup on a given day. So that's where I'm at with Kepler. There's another rant for you. <laughs> let's, hit our, uh, let's hit our last sponsor. And that sponsor is Sunday. Uh, <laughs> you're not too late to call Sun to go out to getsunday.com slash Gleeman. Yeah, I told I told a fellow writer who was <laughs> complaining about the state of his lawn last night. But you're close. Sunday. You're close to too late. This is their last spot of the year with us, which means you know. Even in Minnesota, summer does get here. You need to fertilize your lawn. Uh, you are probably got through Memorial Day weekend, and you're like, 
Jeez, I never did get to the lawn quick. This is the quickest, easiest right. way to do it. Here's what it does. Oh. It, it captures, you tell them where you live. You give you put your address down. They yep. can tell you, okay. A, the dimensions of your lawn, so how right. much of this you'll need. Right. They can also tell you the type of soil and kind of the environmental factors so that they can then make you up kind of a cocktail specific to your <laughs> right. lawn. Yes. And then they send it to you. And then all you do is hook the, it to the nozzle of, <laughs> of your hose, hose yep. and then just spray it. And That's then, it. boom, yep. better That's lawn. Yeah. Super easy. Yep. Customized for you. It's just such a great product. Uh, and for a limited time, Sunday is offering Gleeman and the Geek listeners 50% off your first box. So Five, you can, zero. Half price. You can get started today for as little as $55 when you go to get. Sunday, Sunday like the day of the week. Get Sunday.com slash Gleeman when you get to the checkout. That's 50% off your first box at get Sunday.com slash Gleeman. Okay. The one other thing about Kepler I want to say was, uh, you know, one possible solution here, or at least kick the can down the road a little bit on a bigger decision with him would be to play him in center field a little bit. And that's particularly relevant because, A, Byron Buxton continues to be a full-time DH. Uh, B, Michael Taylor, although he hit a homer last night, yes. has you know proven to be predictably, proven right. to be kind of stretched playing literally every day. And then beyond that, Nick Gordon was starting to get some playing time in center field as kind of a quasi-platoon partner with the right-handed hitting uh, Taylor, Nick Gordon being a left-handed hitter, but then he fractured his tibia and he's out, you know, indefinitely, months probably. Right, right. So they used Willie Castro out there for one game in Houston and that didn't look great because he's not a very good or experienced center fielder. Well, you say, well, Kepler's a left-handed hitter and he's played hundreds of innings in center field early in his career, right. often filling in for Buxton for days or even weeks at a time. And he looked Perfectly solid out right. there. He's yeah. a really good outfielder. And center fielders don't have to hit the way right fielders. Well, that's true to too. But it, you right. know, it would lessen the reliance on Taylor every day, which is right. a good thing. Yep. And I think a Kepler as a lefty facing righties and Taylor as a righty facing lefties would be a pretty decent platoon. And then obviously the big benefit would be it open it would open up right field for Larnick yeah. or Walner or some combination. Yeah, Castro can go back to AAA for a little while, work on some stuff. You don't need him as a backup. Every work place. on some stuff. He's got the second highest OPS on the team. <laughs> yeah, that's a fair point. What does he need to work on? <laughs> I guess John? you're right. Yeah, uh, work on having less <laughs> bad teammates. He has been really good. Um, but here's the 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 flaw in that uh, solution, which is uh, Max Kepler doesn't want to play center field. <laughs> and we've talked about that in the past. And uh, if you look, the last time he started a game in center field was August 4th, 2021, which is, you know, two, year, two, two years ago, almost two full years ago. And since then, the Twins have used nine different starting center fielders, right. several of whom are forgettable uh, to be nice. Right. And they've not turned to Kepler once at a position that he once played regularly. And the reason for that is, uh, as I wrote today, he's expressed a very strong preference against playing center field. And so once that's not even an option, that further limits him to purely a right fielder, a bad hitting right fielder. And, you know, for all the time, I do think he's an, a truly excellent defensive right fielder. Like he should have won a gold glove. I mean, he's won the best right. I've ever seen. Uh, and I do think he's underrated in that regard because he's more of a smooth kind of glide under the ball guy as opposed to a highlight reel type of guy. But let's be realistic. 
I mean, being a really good defensive right fielder can only make up for so much. Yep. Uh, you know, it's yeah. gotten him to it's be not at a, the top of the defensive spectrum, right? It's <laughs> right, gotten yeah, him right. to be a two wins above replacement player. Which, by the way, the baseline for a starting position player is two wins above replacement. So he's been a low end starting starting player. Uh, we we also talked a little bit on Monday's Patreon about Walner in right field. And yep. what he brings to it, in particular, that Much ninety-five different. mile per hour uh, gun. Yeah. I mean, that he, he's had, got he might have him. the best. We got to see a little more, but he might have the best right field arm in Twins history. And they've had right. some right. Kadir, right. Nance. I mean, they've had some arms out there. Yeah. But his arm is on another level. I mean, he and, was, and, and he showed it versus the Blue Jays, and the Blue Jays learned yeah. to respect that arm. <laughs> right. The first time he threw up belt at second, yeah. and then the next day Bichette hit one down the line and didn't even try for <laughs> didn't even try for a, second, uh, a double. Right. And so nobody took first to third the entire. I think right. that whole series. I mean, he has legit. Like it's possible he has the best right field arm in baseball immediately. Right, yeah. Uh he was a star high school pitcher at Forest Lake, won Mr. Baseball, which is high school player of the year, I think in twenty sixteen. Now he was a hitter too, but he won it on the strength of his left handed pitching. Right. And then when he went to Southern Miss, he moved to the outfield, but he still pitched in relief for them for a couple of years and threw, you know, ninety six. Right. Uh, and yeah, the throws he's unleashed it from right field with the twins are consistently right. 94 95 96 miles an hour with pretty good accuracy so you look at him and he's six four and he's big and bulky right. and it takes him a little while to get underway to get the right. wheels moving yeah he doesn't have the rage or right. the smoothness but i will right? say similar to larnack but even more so he is actually pretty fast for a guy his size right. yes. once he's moving yeah like if a ball gets hit into the gap and he's got a little time to run under it he can get to stuff yeah. his size similar to larnick also helps him just get to balls that you know a five foot eleven guy couldn't get to yeah. and the arm is a legit weapon it's either going to kill a lot of base runners which right. is ideal right. you remove a, a base runner and add an out right. or as we saw with kadair in the middle of his career once everyone got the scouting report right. it just shuts down all attempts to advance right. bases, yeah. which is almost as good from yes, the Twins' right. perspective. Yes. And so you look at Walner, and look, I'm not here to tell you Walner is some sort of can't-miss superstar prospect. No. Um, I ranked him fourth I mean, on my come, preseason come, list, listen, he, and he was a lot lower on some other list. I mean, he was closer to being 10th than first on my list even. Yeah, before the 8-for-8 eight eight streak that he went right. on, he was hitting under 100. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, so he, batting you know, under 100. 12 at that's whatever. Yeah, right. But, and, you know, the red flags are familiar, which is – too many strikeouts. Right. He's a big, strong, hard-swinging left-handed slugger, you know, from the Joey Gallo mold, mm -hmm. and he's going to strike out a ton. And because of that, he's going to have a low batting average, most likely. Yeah. Now you're hoping for 240 instead of 210, but it's going to be in that range, and he's going to be prone to prolonged slumps, right. just because the fewer balls you're putting in play, you know, the less chance you give yourself to bloop a couple of hits here or you know whatever. Right. And, you know, he's not going to get to as many balls as Max Kepler in the right. outfield. He's just not. But the arm does add value, and it's a legit weapon. It's also just fun to watch. You know, cork a throw. <laughs> it's really fun to watch. And, I mean, the power, if he, you know, can kind of get cemented in the big leagues and fulfill his upside, I mean, he has legit, you know, 35 homer power. Like, he just launches balls uh, and to all fields, really. And – I would argue that in the I don't know 25 games he's played for the Twins, whatever it is, he's shown more kind of two-strike hitting ability or bat-to-ball skill than expected. Now, it's still a very high strikeout profile. He's never going to hit right. 280, 300. Right. 
but he's shown a little more fight than the Sanos and the Gallows of that player type. And so, you know, you you just look at it and it's like, if this guy can hit 240, 250, and by the way, he draws a shitload of walks. Right. Um, he, he has 116 walks in 161 games in the high minors <laughs> the past two years. Right. Now, like we talked about with David that, Eckstein. That and doesn't Julian, necessarily play. He's not going to draw 100 walks in the majors, right. but he could certainly draw 60 or 70 walks, hit 30 homers, bat right. 250, and kill a bunch of base runners with that arm. That's a really good all-around player. Now, the downside is he hits 205, and right. he just kind of washes out or right. he's a, a bit player. But even in that scenario, I think the overall production would look kind of similar to Max Kepler. Right. I mean, for all the... Max Kepler, what's what's so um, difficult for people to kind of wrap their their brains around with Max Kepler is that he has a two thirty one career batting average, which is like you know in the Sano right. and and maybe Walner's own, but he's getting there with a very low strikeout rate. He strikes out significantly less over the course of his career than an average hitter, and so that like warps people's brain like breaks people's brains because when you see Miguel Sano or Joey Gallo or or Max Kep- or uh, Matt Walner and they're swinging and missing and you look and you go well yeah of course this guy's hitting 210 or 220 he strikes right. out a million times right. then you look at Kepler and you go this guy almost never strikes out right, yeah and he looks like a 280 hitter right that's exactly <laughs> right, yeah, right. right and i think yeah. that has played a part in the twins hanging on to him and maybe even fans giving him a little bit longer leash right. Uh, than the numbers deserve, but as we've talked endlessly about, it's not the shift that killed him. It's the quality of his balls in play. He hits so many choppers and weak pop-ups and weak fly balls that they are essentially the same as striking out because they get converted into outs right. 99.9% of the time. Okay. Um, Polanco's back. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, could yeah. be huge for the lineup. He's when healthy. He's one of their best all-around players. <laughs> Two long opposite field fly balls yesterday, yeah. both to the warning and track. And he ripped a, a key hit down the right yeah, field line, right. too. Which, yeah. That, to me, is 20 years from now, when you say, picture in your brain a Jorge Polanco right. at bat, yeah. it's turning on a pitch and ripping it down the right field line right. as a left-handed hitter. Yeah. That is what I will remember uh, about Jorge Polanco. So that could be huge. Um did he lead off too? Yeah, he led yeah. off yesterday. Which I was which glad I've, to I've see. been kind of finally waiting to I've been see. saying they should have been doing that for years. I, I, but well, yeah. I certainly didn't think this year, yeah. yeah. Um, let's see. There was one other. Uh, yeah, that's enough. We'll talk about Polanco once we get you know, some looks at him. Yeah. He looks fine. We'll I talk about say. him on Monday on the Patreon that yeah, you can all right. join us That's at. the beauty of the Patreon. We don't have to wait a full week to talk that's to right. you guys again. We can dissect this entire Cleveland Guardians series as well Yeah, and uh, see where this team is. They're about four and a half games up on Cleveland right now. They win a couple more. P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com slash Cleveland. They're uh, commercial-free, over an hour. Right. Much Usually Mondays and Wednesdays. It's just such a gimme. Yeah. Why not? I mean, this is a fun season. You like us, right? Right. Or you don't hate us. Yeah. You've made it this far. We charge a buck an episode, but I don't think we've got – we won't make it $9. I bet you we don't get another – a uh, month above nine dollars. Yeah, right. It's a dollar an episode. <laughs> right. It's not, yeah, right. It's not and great. and by the way, we're approaching things like the trade deadline right. and the draft. Things that we're you know do deep dives into. Okay. So, so last few notes here, and then we'll uh, we'll shut up. We mentioned Caleb Thielbar is uh, on the verge of returning from a month long oblique injury, yes. which would be huge <sighs> for the bullpen. I mean, oh. look, they need to find out that he's fully healthy, right. obviously. But there was and and I give Giovanni Moran some credit. Yes, he stepped up in a big way, and it, yep. it, was it e- at least useful uh, as the lone lefty in the bullpen. That bullpen is so shuffled right now from yeah. where it was in April with, I, I mean, literally Stewart is their 
second best. It was nice to see Jax get in yesterday and have a clean inning. Yeah, what's happened is guys pitched themselves into low leverage yeah. by struggling. Yeah. But And no one really rises to high leverage to replace him except a new guy every three days pitches his way out right. of yeah. the current leverage and down to the bottom of the hierarchy. Yeah. And just by default... Someone has to move up, and so right. Jax has already kind of moved up because Jorge Lopez has pitched himself out right. of it. Pagan yeah. is sort of perpetually in the in the in middle limbo, land. yeah, yeah right, limbo. Right, yeah. And so, yeah, right now it's Duran who's been great. Yeah. Brock Stewart, yep, yep. Uh, even after giving up the grand slam in uh, right, was it in Houston? That was the first runs he's given up. Yeah, and we let's be careful. Like, take a look at how many walks he has and how many innings, and sure. before we get too carried with Brock Stewart. Right. And then you have hopefully. You know, Thielbar, right. which there were so many spots because he's a lefty, but because he also can get righties out. There have been so many spots over the last two or three weeks where it's the sixth or seventh inning, a couple guys are on base, yeah. they end up bringing in Pagan or they bring in Moran or they bring in Jax or whoever it is. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, but there are so many spots that have just been screaming out right. for this is a Caleb Thielbar sort of put out the fire spot and right. they've really missed him. And it sounds strange to talk about a 36-year-old middle relief lefty like that, but I mean, he has <laughs> become really good. essential and very underrated to their bullpen over the past couple of years. So. It's nice to see some of those low-leverage arms be, you know, not necessarily dependable high-leverage guys, but somewhat dependable guys. Jose De Leon has had a pretty good yep. run here. De, Leon, De Leon's yep. going to get a shot, too, From, because, you mentioned Moran, as we mentioned, yep. Jorge Lopez is just an absolute mess right now. Yeah. And I think it seems to me, you know, he just, yeah, he just doesn't seem to know where the ball is going, period. seems to be... As much mental as physical, which is something he went through a little bit last year too. Um, yeah, I mean they're they're in trouble if they don't have him, and they were right. counting on him yep. to be their primary setup man. And for April, it for the most part looked that way. Yeah, and then it just has gone to to, to hell. And I don't. I mean, the only way he warmed up yesterday, like the only way, at least <laughs> this is what Baldelli said yesterday, is the only way he's going to get out of this is to pitch through it so right. we're going to try to find spots but the problem as we just mentioned is right. if you got three or four guys in an eight-man bullpen who are low leverage kind of only using spots that don't matter well there aren't enough spots that don't matter right. to get all those guys used so i mean he's literally sort of at the bottom of the right. run right now to the point where you hesitate to put put him in an eight run lead right i mean they put him in use... on wednesday with a eight zero lead and he gives up two immediately and two more on right. base before stewart comes in has to get three out without giving up getting any outs it was right. nuts um so the, and then the other thing on the pitching front is uh, kenta maeda started his rehab on tuesday with uh, two scoreless innings oh, yeah the right. plan is i think either fr- i want to say friday or saturday i guess it would be saturday He's going to pitch, it sounds like, three innings uh, for the Saints, and then he'll pitch again next weekend, throw four innings, and that was kind of the plan during spring training. They've said – They're building him up as a starter, right? right? Falvey, uh, I asked him about that, and he said, we're building him up fully as a starting pitcher, which takes longer, but they have a maximum of 30 days. And given how well Louis Varlin has pitched, who we didn't even talk about him, he shoved against the the Astros. He was great. there's certainly no rush. I mean, I, I'm of the opinion that unless Louis Varlin really struggles here over the next couple of weeks, I'm not interested in bumping Louis Varlin from the rotation for a 35-year-old rehabbing Kenta Maeda. Now, the Twins may feel differently, but yeah, at the very right. least, right. there's no reason to rush that decision. Right. I mean, you want Kenta Maeda to take the maximum amount of time. <laughs> you want to make sure he can throw five strong innings multiple times. So I would expect them to take the full 30 days with him, which is the rehab window right, for a yeah, pitcher, right. um, which gives Louis Varlin, you know, 
six more June, starts right, or something yeah. like that. And right. that, at that point, again, maybe somebody else is hurt. Maybe Maeda doesn't make it through the rehab, whatever it is. And um, I mean, it's worth pointing out that they don't really have a, oh, here's the guy that's waiting in AAA to come up and uh, right. maybe Brent Hedrick. I don't know. But, yeah, he's been uh, decent. Good, yeah. But the, yeah, the problem, though, is. Maeda can't be that guy because he can't be sent to AAA. Right, that's right. That's the problem. Now, right. Varlin could be, be sent to guy. AAA, yeah. but I just have a hard time. I mean, if you thought people freaked out about Walner getting sent down, <laughs> send down uh, Louis Varlin. Right. I also I needed to tell people this yesterday. I mean, managers are famous. We saw this from Gardenhire all the time, but every baseball manager, they make the laziest nicknames for players of all time. All they do is take the guy's name, first right. name or last name, and add a Y or an IE. Right. So – you know, Lou Ford becomes Louie, yeah, and right. that's his nickname. <laughs> Except Louie Varlin is already Louie. Right. And so what did Rocco Badali start calling him yesterday? Lou. He's Lou Varlin <laughs> okay, now. Okay, all right. Okay. Lou Varlin. I like that that's the only way managers' brains can go with nicknames. <laughs> they can either remove or add, add an, I. an I or a Y. If you already have it, it gets removed. If you don't have it, it gets added. There's your nickname, <laughs> Lou Varlin. I like that. Dr. Lou Varlin, I want to call him. Uh, but yeah, he's been phenomenal. And I mean, I, I feel like we... We could go with Lewis. Yeah, although I don't even know if he's a Lewis. <laughs> I don't know either. I gotta, I'll gotta. i ask him today. He's, he's fairly easy to talk to. What's That's a good opener. There you What's go. your actual name? Yeah, is it, are you a Lewis? Are you yeah. a Lou? What are you? Because like, yeah. I do... I forget who, but there was like somebody named Johnny, and that was their actual name. Uh, here's a good example. Sonny Gray's name is Sonny. It's not a nickname. <laughs> right. His name wasn't like Santino. So does he does he call him Son? No, I think he calls him Mr. Gray. <laughs> Mr. Gray is what he calls him. Um so yeah, Maeda is on the like comeback the usual trail. Suspects? Not the usual suspects. What was it? Uh, Reservoir, Reservoir Dogs. Dogs. Mr. Yeah, Pink, yeah, yeah, Mr. Gray. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. Um and then uh, let's see, there was one other yeah, I mean the Bally Sports stuff, but we don't really have time to get into it. We talked a lot about the Bally Sports stuff on the last Patreon. Yeah, let me let me summarize one thing about it though. Okay. If if they end up getting out of this deal, mm. and you are somebody who has cut the cord, it is probably good news for you. Right. Right. Uh, right now, you can really only watch the Twins on cable or uh, satellite. Yeah. Right. And what we have seen from the Padres is uh, they've got they uh, they basically approached the biggest cable companies, got a channel. From right. them, yeah, it's right. Like Direct TV, which I have, right. is like channel six ninety four dash two. Is called like San Diego baseball, now, right? Yeah. It's just Padres that, games, exactly right. And it's available as a standalone streaming product right. through MLB. I think they priced it at nineteen ninety nine a month, right. at least initially. I would go a step further, which is to say, if you're tech savvy enough, and I say that uh, with quotes, to listen to this uh, podcast, and right. if you're a Patreon subscriber, certainly. Right. You're probably tech savvy enough to figure out the streaming options if that right. becomes available. That's right. So, there, 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 whereas right now you really have almost no streaming options right. for the Twins. You will at least have a $20 a month stream. At the very least, you'll have a $20 a month. And it's possible that they actually just put themselves on some streaming services. You know, without yes. – uh, uh, Well, yeah. Uh, the with on, on one. Fubo. Fubo. Fubo and YouTube, I think. Oh, they're on YouTube I now? Too? I don't – I. I didn't Hulu. see. It was I, one other big one. Okay. Um, but they're working to add it. I mean, they had to go pretty quickly here to get right. this rolling. Yes, right. Um, the ruling yesterday was in MLB's favor in the bankruptcy court. Dave St. Peter okay. testified. Okay. Here's one thing we learned. Uh, the Twins make, was it $54.8 million a year from this year, TV? This year they do, yeah. Which right. is a yeah. lot more than right. we thought. Yeah, it was, well, we thought it was over 40. And think, Dave yeah. St. Peter said in his testimony that... Uh, Bally or Sinclair Diamond Sports, right. Sinclair Media, yeah. who are the 
the villain in this, <laughs> I would argue, um, offered them a f- new five-year deal because this is that last year of the Twins deal with them, thankfully. Right. They offered them a new five-year extension for $54 million a year, and the Twins said, Basically, but that was going to include more off. than just the cable rights. That was right. also streaming going to include rights. the streaming right. rights, right? I mean, I can tell you this. right now they're getting paid fifty-four million a year without Correct. the streaming rights. I think I can tell you this unequivocally: there is not a single person in, involved in Major League Baseball, and certainly not running a team like Dave St. Peter or just the team themselves, who want anything to do with Sinclair Media at right. this point. Yeah. They want to be out of this thing, and some of them have 10 years on a deal. Right. The Twins are fortunate in the sense that they have four, four months, months on a deal. On a deal. Right. Now, that doesn't mean whatever the next place for the Twins is going to be right. great. Right. There are, are limited options for that. It might end up just being uh, part of MLB's overall you know, kind right. of centralized yeah. streaming product. But there is not a – I mean, the extent to which people are against Bally, you know, and and victory there, there was are, a lot of bitterness in that courtroom uh, between those teams, yeah, I mean, between Major just, League Baseball and, and, and the look, Dime Sports. I sit in the press box and we do pregame with you know on camera people, production people, cameramen, all kinds of people, announcers. They're all Bally employees. I mean, they're Twins employees, I guess technically, but these people are just getting effed over and screwed around with and just being put in the dark for their livelihoods because of this one dumbass multi-billion dollar corporation that has done some real evil things beyond baseball that you can Google. And it's just such a shame. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of walks of life where this is being said in different things, but it's just such a shame that one very rich person or one very rich conglomerate corporation can just decide I'm going to be an asshole and I'm just going to screw over hundreds of people who are just trying to be a cameraman or being a sideline reporter or being an announcer or producer. And it's just like these people with Bally, they have nothing to do with this. They have no control over this. They're just in the dark, the same as everyone else. They're showing up to the ballpark to try to do their job the best they can. And they're just screwed over by this thing. They don't know what their future holds. They're in limbo with a lot of things. Their contracts are up at the end of the season. It's just, it's terrible. Beyond just that it sucks if you're a Twins fan, if you just want to watch Twins games, it sucks. But for the people behind the scenes, it's horrible as well. There's a human component to this thing that goes beyond just why can't I watch my team? It's also, I mean, there's also questions about, you know, will there be a pregame show? Will there be a postgame show? All of those things were Bally Sports North productions. So when the Twins get back those rights, yeah, they can put the the games on, but are they going to invest in, you know, all the additional stuff around that that they count on there are partners are they to, eliminating to take care of that. Two out of the eight cameramen. Are right. they eliminating right. whatever it is? Right. And something we discussed quite a bit on Patreon, which is just a hypothetical that came to my brain, which is if next season it's too late for this to happen this season, but let's say all the teams break their are able to break their contracts with Bally's, which is like 14 teams, and it goes to the centralized MLB product. My fear is that MLB will say, why do we need a home broadcast yeah. and a road broadcast for every team? Why don't we just have, you know, when the Twins play the Tigers, do we need a Twins broadcast and a Tigers broadcast if it's all being streamed yeah. out of the same place? And that my fear is, A, the product will be worse. Whatever you think of your home announcers, whether right. you're a Twins yes. fan or a fan of another team. At least they're home announcers. At least they know the team and they're around the team and yeah. they're familiar with all the players. You know, you listen to the rare times the Twins are on some national thing. It's fun to hear an outside perspective on the Twins, but there's just stuff they just have no clue what they're talking right. about. And my fear is 
twofold. One, the quality of analysis or commentary or just sort of minutia surrounding the team will plummet because they just don't know the team. And then two, well, that's just half of all people involved with broadcasts who are going to be out of work for no good reason. So it's a horrible situation all around. I mean, it also means not that there's a ton of objectivity in the media from Valley Sports North when it comes to covering the Twins. They're going to rah-rah them as much as anybody. But when it's complete, any of that, the programming is completely developed by the Twins, holy moly. Well, that's true, too, yeah. At least, uh, yeah, that's true, I guess. Yeah, you, you've, although, got to, you, you've got to at least protect your reputation a little bit if you're Valley Sports North. You've got to have enough of a – well, what do yeah. you – yeah, enough you know, objectivity to be able to claim that you are somewhat objective to, or, or lose all – you know. Yeah, so for now, Padres are kind of the guinea pig. They're the, yes. going to be the first one through the door to get bloody. Um, they had a 20-year – $1.2 billion, billion dollar agreement right. with Bally Sport. With It was Fox Sports, but it became right. Bally Sports. And I think they're like halfway through that, basically. Yeah, that's uh, right. 2032, I think. Is when yeah. And that's just evaporated now because yeah. Bally decided, yeah. well, that's yeah. too much money to pay, even yeah. though that's a contract, yeah. and we'll just stop paying. Yeah. And then the Padres... Padres didn't have to go uh, deal with a bankruptcy court the way the Twins do because... They just were told by yeah, by Bally, we're not paying you anymore. We're just not going to pay it. Which to right. me is like, what's the point of a contract? I mean, I'm just an idiot who dropped out of college. I'm sure there's some expert. But what is the point of the contract if it can just be blatantly ignored? These are the rights you get in bankruptcy court. Right. So. It's, uh, it's ridiculous yeah. to me. But so yeah, the Padres are the now the only one that's uh, being produced. I saw clips of their broadcast. Same announcers, same crew, same right. graphics for the most part, a little bit. But they've adopted the, you know, they're holding microphones that have the MLB logo instead of the Bally logo. <laughs> sure, and there's a few sure. subtle changes. But, yes, I would view that as, I don't want to say a good outcome, but a, a non-horrible outcome if the Twins broke free, yeah. um, yeah, so started if, being if, streamed. If you are somebody who cut the cord, this right. is, you suddenly have an ability to actually watch these right. games. And right. I think either way... I don't think – And by the way, the way it works – my understanding of the way it works is if you've got the MLB uh, MLB um, subscription for out-of-market stuff, you know what I mean? So like, for instance, we have the MLB TV subscription, right? right. So Chrissy can watch Phillies games. We can't watch Phillies games while she's in Philly. The people in Philly can't right. watch the – It's black though. Right. You're just going to – that's the same subscription. All that changes, is that not it? They had to buy a separate Padres subscription. Oh, uh, that's what I was wondering. Yeah. But it's not yeah, that, blacked out if you buy that subscription. Me. Okay. But, yeah. huh, okay. I mean, who knows how that will shake out. I mean, part of the problem is the blackout restrictions are already in place, so they right. can't just waive it for right. one team and keep it for the Twins or the Guardians or whatever. But the, the yeah. other thing is that you will have to actually find your game on a different channel, sure. <laughs> right? It's, it's going to be on a different channel well, on there Direct are TV who or would kill to be or able to right. yeah. search for a channel to find Twins <laughs> games over the last <laughs> right. few years yeah. when they've been unable to watch it. Right. And here's what I'll say: Now, maybe I'm wrong about this, but I don't. I think at this stage, given the ruling yesterday, and given what happened with the Padres, and perhaps most importantly, given the fact that the Twins only have four months left until they can be rid of Bally Sports right. as a partner. I don't think there's a truly bad outcome left for the Twins. Right. Now, for Major League Baseball as a whole right. and the collapse of cable and you know bigger sure. picture, right. yeah, absolutely. There yeah, are longer horrible, term, it's a horrible b- much outcomes, bigger question. Potentially. Right. Right. But just for the Twins 
today, like for the rest of this season, because there's only really two ways it can go at this point. One is it's just business as usual for the remainder of the season. Right. They stay on Bally. Yeah. Just on a different channel. Right. Right. Well, no, I'm saying oh, no, no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay, nothing changes, right, yes. which I think Bally, is gotcha, probably right. most right. likely at this point. Right. If the contract gets broken, they'll just go to MLB. MLB will take over. You, you'll be able to stream it. You'll be able to get it on various streaming out, or there's going to be a direct TV channel for it like they've done with the Padres. Now, that's going to be annoying for a while. It's the muscle memory of turning, tuning into uh, you know 668 right, on yeah. direct TV yeah, or whatever right, it is. Right. But you'll still be able to watch it. I don't think there's any scenarios in this four-month period until the Twins can be rid of them where it becomes less available to Twins fans. Mm. I, I think the only real outcomes right. are, are – Exactly as available as it is now, which right. is flawed, but it's not a change. Or more, or more available. available. Now, it might be a little more expensive or whatever. Right. But also, you know, nineteen ninety nine a month for Twins games. For 30 Twins games a month. Right. Like less than a buck each. Month, I mean, right. that's yes. up to right. each person to decide if that's worthwhile. But right. here's the other thing. That you remove the Twins from Bally. There's a lot of people out there. I know they'll still have the Wild and the Wolves, but there's right. many people who will no longer have much use for Bally. Yeah. And then by extension, I can tell you I'm a person who has held on to DirecTV only for live sports. Right. Yes. So if you start removing the twins from that and yeah. I can just stream it right. um, without having any DirecTV, yep. then it collapses cable and DirecTV yeah. even further. Fair point. Uh, so that I think Makes is, it a lot easier to cut the cord. Right. Because right. I think a lot of the kind of holdouts right. – at least among people like under 60, let's say, <laughs> right, yeah. are only holding out for live programming, and the majority of that is sports. Okay. Um, we'll be back Monday on the Patreon side. We're just going to talk Guardians and Twins for a good hour, hour and a half. It'll be fun. Yeah. And we'll and probably back on Wednesday after that to talk uh, maybe another mailbag. Yeah. Getting I like the mailbags. The mailbags oh have been so good lately, A, because we've been getting a million questions, but it like I love that there are in-depth twins questions, which brings us to talk about players yeah, tangents that we wouldn't normally. But right. I also like that there's questions about like you playing center field <laughs> or just random. Like uh, there was one the other day that was a uh, do the majority of players drive to the game? That's something drive themselves <laughs> to the game. Right. And we talked about the players' parking lot and all that stuff. That is something you could give me ten thousand years as a podcast co-host, and I would never have thought. I bet there's an interesting eight minutes to do right, yeah. about this, but it turns out that way. So thank you to everyone for sending in questions. You guys should sign up for the Patreon. Thank you to our uh, sponsors. Nuts.com, Game Time, Stamps, Native, Sunday. Get, your, get that lot taken care of quickly. And uh, we'll talk to you on Monday. Cleveland.